go, ladies and gents. Welcome to another episode of the Essential Eleven, brought to you by Acton Academy. Acton Academy Placer. Today's guest, a man by the name of Brian Weisfeld. Um, Brian has a really neat story. The guy's been building businesses his entire life. As an adult, uh, started out in investment banking. He helped build a number of well-known billion-dollar companies, uh, including IMAX, Coupons.com, took both of those public. Um, but more recently, he's the founder and chief squad officer of the Startup Squad. It's an initiative dedicated to uh, helping girls realize their potential, follow their dreams, um, whatever their passions, but really with a focus on entrepreneurship. So we have a great conversation here. Please welcome Mr. Brian Weisfeld. There we go, live with Mr. Mr. Brian Weisfeld. I can't believe I actually butchered. This is the this is the taping that will go live on the audio. But I was just telling Brian that was the actually the only last name I ever messed up, and it's not that hard. How you doing, man? I've been called anything, and that's the least of the things I've been called. So I appreciate I, it. I am with you. Yeah, absolutely. I tell people all the time. You know. Like, uh, my last name, obviously, Bodro, and I don't even know if that's right. People say, well, how do you, how do you guys say it? Like, I always say Bodro. I think we California it up. I don't know how you're really supposed to say it. You know, they say it nicer when I'm in France or Canada or, or something like that. But I've gotten Badu to Darrow, and, and also I'm with you, man. So, hey, well, thank you for I, taking the time. A funny story. So my co-author um, on the Startup Squad series, so I've been working with her now for you know, two or three years. Yeah. Um, and her name is Nicole C., um, C middle initial and the last name is K E A R. And so, you know, I've been saying Nicole C Kier, Nicole C Kier, Nicole C Kier. And, um, I, uh, she's got a new book that just came out, uh, last week and I heard her doing an interview and she, uh, she said, yeah, hi, I'm Nicole C Carr. Oh. And I sent her a note. I'm like, I've been mispronouncing your name for, for three years. And what she said was funny. She goes, you know, some, my kids sometimes say Kier as well. That's so, hilarious. Yeah. That's, so she's yeah. like, I'll, I'll answer anything. I will answer anything. And that's it. I tell people, yeah. if, if it sounds like it started with a B and there was a D in the <laughs> middle somewhere, I just nod my head yeah. and go, yeah, we're good. So that's hilarious. That's awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time. Um, so you and I got to connect really not that long ago. Um, got connected through a, a mutual friend who said, hey, you know, you got to, this is, she's a she's part of the Acton community too. And she yep. said, you've got to see what, what this guy's doing. And I know you were familiar with Acton, but um, you know, I want to start with kind of what you were doing and kind of what brought you here. And then I really want to talk about what you've got going on with this book series. I love what you have going on here. So where did you start out, Brian? So uh, this is certainly not what I expected to be doing. Uh, I, I figure I'm on career number three. Um, yeah. So I right out of school, I started um, investment banking. Uh, and the reason was because as I was graduating, a lot of my graduating undergrad, a lot of my friends are going to law school. Yep. And um, it was like 16th grade though at the time. And yep. I realized that, and I applied to, I applied to a couple of law schools, but I realized I didn't know what people did for a living, right? Like you're a lawyer, an accountant, you're a banker, you get to your office, you sit down at your desk and then what? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I had yeah. no idea. And while I thought three years of law school would be a great education, I, it wasn't going to help me figure that out. And so I thought investment bank would be a great way to see a lot of different, uh, a lot of different things. And so I did that for a little while. And then I realized that I wanted, I wanted to be on the other side of the table. I wanted to help build a company. Yeah. And so I went to work for two guys and, um, they were, uh, loosely, you know, affiliated with each other and they were looking for companies to, uh, to acquire. And the day I joined them, they said, we're looking at buying this company called IMAX and bids are due Thursday. And so my first year working for them was spent on the acquisition, the financing, and then the IPO of IMAX. We took it public very quickly yeah. after we bought it. And so there I was sort of three years out of, um, out of undergrad working in a three-person office with, and the other two guys were the co-CEOs of this publicly traded company. 
And um, so I had a front row seat very early in my yeah, career. What an education it, right it there. It was unbelievable. And so um, I've spent my career sort of working with founders and entrepreneurs and helping them scale and build and scale their companies. And so uh, IMAX was the first. I worked for a, um, a technology distribution company um, back in New York. They were just essentially like box movers for um, uh, computer and telephone equipment. Oh, okay. Um, like logistics we, kind of deal for them? Ex exactly. Yeah. I ran their global operations and we grew it from a billion and a half in revenue to three billion in revenue in about four years. Um, and then, um, I moved from New York to Silicon Valley to, uh, be the chief operating officer of coupons.com. Yeah. And at the time the company was a hundred people and maybe 15 million in revenue. And, um, I spent five years there. And, uh, when I left, it was 500 people and 150 million in annual revenue and getting That's ready awesome. to go public. How cool. Um, and, and so I was just looking for the next founder next or thing. entrepreneur to partner with and help yeah. them grow and build their business. Um, but I've got two daughters who are now uh, 14 and 12. And at the time, my older daughter was eight. And I watched her as she sold Girl Scout cookies and ran a charity bake sale with a friend of hers. And both times she was so excited to be doing it. But she had no. She just had no idea what to do. I mean, sure. she put on that her Girl Scout vest and she went down to the end of our driveway and she set up her cookies. But then she just stood there. Yeah. And my wife was the one that actually said to her, you know, hey, you gotta say good morning to people when they walk by so you can right. get their attention, and make sure you look people in the eye when you talk to them. Right. And when she did the charity bake sale, she's like, tell people the money goes to charity because even if they don't want to buy a brownie, maybe they'll still give you a few bucks. Yeah. And frankly, I didn't really think much of it. I was more entertained by it. But then fast forward to a few months later, I was laying in bed reading books with my girls on a Sunday morning. And I just, I got frustrated with uh, the lack of sort of empowering influences for girls. Yeah. I thought there's just a lot of stuff out there that really talks down to girls. Sure. And um, for some reason, the, that event and the Girl Scout cookie selling combined in my brain. And I said, I'm going to create this novel series to get girls interested in, in entrepreneurship. Um, get them excited about opening up that first lemonade yeah. stand or, or bake sale. And, you know, similar to a lot of what Acton's about, it's not yeah. that, you know, I think every kid should grow up to be an entrepreneur, but I think the lessons you learn from entrepreneurship, that entrepreneurial mindset will help kids succeed in life regardless of the path they choose. And so uh, that was, 100%. um, that was the idea. And then, yeah. A, a, a totally separate story is the five-year journey it took me from the idea to get the book first book published. So before we get to that five-year journey too, so what is, so even starting at the beginning, I mean, you get this amazing opportunity to go in and, you know, you said a few years out of undergrad and you guys are going through this IPO. Like that's a, that's an experience that not a lot of people will ever obviously ever have. Right. And then you were able to replicate a similar experience for other organizations too. And, you know, looking at it fast forwarding with, with what you're seeing with your girls, do you think, do you have, um, is it an ability to see the practicality part? Is it an ability to see like, okay, well, here are the steps, you know, how are we able to take multiple companies that way to, um, you know, those, those various levels of, of efficiency, right? Are you able to see this practicality that not others see? What do you kind of attribute that to? Yeah, I think it's, I, I, um, I think part of it is, um, uh, problem solving. Yeah. 
and seeing the seeing the problem or opportunity yep. and then just surrounding yourself with good people i mean my whole you career know. i've you know tried to hire people that that were smarter than me or that knew an area of expertise better than i did and work with them to sort of set here's the goal and here's the plan of what we're going to do and just let them go off and execute and be there just to help to to manage and and move them as as needed and see, and that's it. And that's what we're talking about with the entrepreneur mindset. I, I've said that so many times very, you know, how you said it so eloquently just a few minutes ago. Um, you know, not everybody should be an entrepreneur. There is an element of stress and loneliness and everything falls back on your, I mean, that's you having to take that on. You got to have some thick skin to be able to, to do that and to weather that storm, right? But you, yeah. what you said is absolutely true. Everybody can use that entrepreneurial mindset. And it's really what you, what you were just kind of elaborating upon is the ability to pay attention, to see where there are problems, and then whether you're figuring out how to fix those problems or you are surrounding yourself with the right players that understand how to come together to fix those problems. That provides value whether you are the head honcho or whether you are the lowest person on the totem pole because if you can provide that kind of value, you're going to you're gonna raise your game. I mean, it's just going to provide more and more opportunities anywhere you go. It's the pattern is the same. It doesn't matter what industry it is. That pattern remains true. Right? I, mean, I totally, totally agree. And that's what I sort of say. Again, it doesn't matter if you want to be an entrepreneur. Whatever you're going to do in life, if you have that mindset, you're going to be more comfortable. And I think the two biggest things that, you know, to what you were saying that, that I think are so important are one, um, seeing opportunities instead of problems, yep. right? Everyone is complaining about something that doesn't sure. work or everyone, you know, wishes that there was a way to do it and being able to see that as an opportunity. That, that's part number one. Right. And the other one, which is so important is um, comfort with risk and mm. tolerance with risk yeah. and being comfortable with failure because you can see the opportunity, mm -hmm. but if you don't have that tolerance with risk, you're not going to do anything yeah, about it. You're not going to so, pull it Yeah. And I know, even though I, I know a lot of adults who, you know, have a great idea, right. But they're not comfortable, don't have that risk tolerance to be able to take that next step. And so that's part of the, the, what's so important is as a, you know, as a, as a kid growing yeah. up to develop that risk tolerance so that when you do have your opportunity, you'll be able, you'll feel comfortable. Taking you're more apt to take it on. You're, abs you're absolutely right. And I remember, you know, I, my, I was actually just, telling the story. I think maybe to Ali yesterday, my dad was a brilliant, um, is a, is a very intelligent human being. And I remember many things growing up that he was saying where he's going, look, here's a problem in society. Here's what's going to happen. Somebody is going to do this. Somebody needs to do. And he, I mean, the, the number of essentially what we see now are successful businesses that I remember him talking about 30 years ago and, and saying, look, I can see where this is going to go. And somebody is going to do this. He was absolutely right on all accounts but there was no tolerance for risk there. There was no way he was going to try to pull the trigger and figure it out himself. He could right. see it was going to happen. He figured, and he was absolutely dead on, but he would not take that risk. And he never had that growing up and just was, and I think most people fall in that boat, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. So that five-year journey from kind of understanding, like, look, this is kind of what I want to do for my girls and, and that creation. What is, what does that look like? Talk about a little bit about that, the, the startup squad series here. So, um, I, so the, the funny thing was I had the inspiration, as I said, on this Sunday morning and I was, uh, heading down for, uh, for a trip for, a couple of days. And so I had time on the airplane to sort of think through what this was all going to be. And I remember it was like Wednesday night that same week. 
And I said to my wife, I said, you know, do you have a minute? And she said, yeah. And I said, let me send you something. And I just sent her the outline of what I was thinking of. Mm -hmm. And she said, um, she's, I said, what do you think? And she's like, wow, this is really interesting. And she said, well, now what? And I said, well, I think I have to write a book. And she said, no, seriously, now what? Yeah. Um, because I'm not, I was, I'm not a business guy. I'm, yeah. I'm not a writer. writer and I could yeah. write the business plan and I could right. write a conference call speech or a press release, but I'm not a writer. So, um, and I didn't think I'd be the person to write the books at the end of the day, but I knew I had to get it down on paper to explain to someone what I was doing and to beta test it with some kids and, and those sorts of things. So one of the first things I did is I actually went out and I bought writing children's books for dummies. That's uh, awesome. And I spent three years of um, learning how to write, reading books about writing, taking writing classes, going to writing conferences, hiring freelance children's book editors to work with me. It was the hardest and most humbling thing I've ever done in my entire career. Absolutely. Um, I believe that. It was rejection and failure, you know, constantly um, until finally I was able to um, sign with a literary agent and then actually it ended, ended up not being the right right fit. And so I had to switch to a different literary agent. Okay. Um, and then all, as soon as I switched that agent, we very quickly got a, um, a three book deal from Macmillan and um, we were off to the races. And so the first book in the Startup Squad series came out in uh, May of 2019. And the, the second book just came out um, in May of this year. So good. So good. Uh, I can honestly, and so I've gotten a chance now to read, um, to read one and that you graciously sent and thank you for doing that. And it is so well done. So it is something that, um, I have, I have personally recommended to all of the Acton community. Um, I sent something out earlier this week and said, look, you guys have to, you know, if you don't know who this gentleman is, I want you to know who this is. And I want you to start taking thank a look at the books. Yeah, absolutely. So there are some, um, there are two book series right now that I have rec that I've told all Actons, look, this is the, these are the only two book series that I will highly recommend you have in your library. And I will share that with all of our parents as well. Um, and it is the startup squad and then the Tuttle twins. If you've seen the Tuttle twins, um, and we had Connor Boyack on, uh, not too long ago as well. And those two series I think are critical. So actually, it's funny because I hadn't heard of the Tuttle Twins, and you mentioned it to me when we spoke. Yeah, and so gotcha. I have it's I have the one sitting on my desk. I so haven't cool. gotten a chance to read it yet, but yeah. it's uh, it's next on my list. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I think the the work that you guys are. I think that there is a um, there is a shift, obviously, that is taking place with. There's been this slow shift taking place uh, as far as awareness in education, right? And kind of like what you're talking about, there's no use complaining. Complain by creating the, the solution to the problem that you're complaining about, right? And so we've had um, you know, a number of educators uh, that for years now have been creating and Acton is surely one of those networks and it's um, probably the most impactful um, and that may be biased, but it's also statistically true. It's the most impactful one of those networks in the world. And, um, you know, as as this whole pandemic has taken place too. Um, it's really kind of expediting the process. It's speeding things up for a shift in awareness. And, and I really think the work that you're doing, the work that Connor's doing, those kind of things are going to be pivotal aspects of this shift um, in, in the awareness around what our kids are absolutely capable of and where things are going, the economy, again, understanding that entrepreneurial mindset, it's going to be more valuable now than it ever has been in the history of this country. I mean, yeah, I think completely agree. Yeah. yeah, I think it really is. So, so cool. I love that. And so you got connected with the action. So I want to get to the 11 questions too, but I'm, I'm fascinated with some of this journey. So how did you, uh, first 
come across Acton because again, we were introduced by Rachel Benson, um, Acton Omaha, uh, and, mm-hmm. and Rachel and I have become friends over these last couple of years as well. And she said, Hey, you know, Matt, you got to meet this guy and, and, and see what he's doing. And so how did you come across the Acton network altogether? So uh, I can't remember if I was first introduced to the children's business fairs or, um, actually I think the way it happened was a, uh, a good friend of mine who's actually an entrepreneur now, um, living in Vermont, um, was a student of Jeff Sandifer's at, uh, at UT Austin. Got it. And he and I actually worked together in that first investment banking job. And when I started doing this, I think he said, Hey, you've got to, you've got to talk to Jeff. Yep. And so that was, you know, uh, six years ago, probably. And that was probably when I first heard about, um, acting. And then I started learning about the children's business fairs. And I've just, I'm such a huge fan of the fairs. I've been to easily half a dozen of them uh, myself. And what part of the, what I do is to support the outreach of all these fairs is I've started reaching out to them and saying, Hey, I know you've got a fair coming up. Mm-hmm. I'd love to donate a signed copy of a book for uh, a prize for you. And then also, yeah. can I send you bookmarks or stickers for, you know, for all the kids that are participating just to help That's encourage so cool. you. And so Rachel was just one of the people that was planning a fair this summer. And I reached out to her and that, and that was the the connection, but I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of, you know, all the, uh, everything that Acton's trying to do. Very cool. No, that's very, I'm very, I appreciate that too. And yeah, the, the business fairs, I'm, they're definitely the highlight of, for me, selfishly, it's the highlight of the year too. seeing, um, all the hard work come together and seeing what these you know, the, just the level of confidence after they have gone through those weeks of training of, of, you know, diving into P and L. And I was listening to my nine-year-old talk about, you know, the difference there was no adult there and she was talking with other eight and nine year olds about the differences between variable costs and sunk costs and, you know, listening (laughs) to them have these conversations over their zoom calls. Right. And then they go, you know, um, you know, we go out in the backyard afterwards and they had that conversation. We go out in the backyard and they were able to go over to their horses that my girls have purchased because of their businesses, Awesome, you know, and the experience there, the pride there, the understanding there, um, is something you just, you can't duplicate by sitting down and going, Hey, let's learn algebra. Like it just doesn't, you know, that, that message is not getting translated in that way. So I love that you're connected with that. And we get the, the, uh, the, the good fortune of being in Northern California, relatively near where you are too. So um, when we have our next fair here in October, man, I'd love to have you just join us in general. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I would love to see it. Super cool. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Uh, let's see what the, the answer to these 11 questions are for you. So um, the the first one is is relatively easy, relatively fun. And you've had a very neat journey and interesting um, trajectory in your life. And I've obviously had great impact. So along that way, do you have anybody who has maybe kind of been an inspiration to you or, or somebody that you consider a mentor. And I always preface this with saying it doesn't even have to necessarily be a real person. Some of the mentors in my mind that I make decisions based on how they would think are fictional characters. I mean, and I'm, I'm fully, uh, fully okay with disclosing that. So anybody for you that you kind of look to for inspiration? Yeah. Well, I guess let me separate the two, which is, um, you know, the mentors and the, the people that I'm inspired by. I think first of all, I, you know, early in my career, I was very fortunate because I worked for some really bad bosses. Um, Investment banking is not known for its management skills. So I learned a lot about what I didn't want to do by working for some bad, from, for some, from bad bosses. But um, when I went to work for uh, the two guys that became the co-CEOs of IMAX, um, you know, they continue to become our friends and mentors uh, to me today. Actually, one, one of them is still the CEO of the company and the other one is the chairman of the company. 
Um, and, uh, you know, obviously they gave me at the time, you know, they gave me as much responsibility as I was willing to handle, sure. um, which, uh, and you know, they actually referred to me as the blank in Scrabble because they would just throw me into anything I and like I would, that. you know, I, yeah. would, I would attack it. Yeah. And so, um, they've been, um, uh, they've been tremendous mentors to me and continue to be And you know, I'm, I'm in New York quite often and I'll go see them and I'm bouncing off of them. So I think when I say mentor, those, that's the first thing that comes to that mind. Comes to yeah. mind. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, people that I admire, um, it's interesting. Uh, one is, uh, one's a little more superfluous than the other. Um, uh, Bruce Springsteen. The boss. Is someone I admire. Because if you've ever seen Bruce in concert, there is no 99%. He does, it does not, just does not exist. Yeah. Um, this is a guy that gives 100% every single time. And I've seen him in, you know, Madison Square Garden. I've seen him at you know smaller places, and it doesn't matter. He's playing for that one person that's never seen Bruce before, every single time, and he doesn't do anything you know anything less than a hundred percent. So that yeah. is something that I, I try to keep in mind oh. as well. And then the other one, um, in terms of people I admire, are just those that put the greater good above themselves. Sure. I mean, especially you know what we're seeing now with healthcare workers, um, first responders have always been something that. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I get choked up thinking about, um, yeah. and so I, I, that that people that put so great a good above themselves is something else I I say I admire quite a bit. So good, I have to I fully agree with you on on that. Um, uh, people living for you know kind of a, a mission, so to speak, rather than just an existence, you know, and, and yeah. they're wanting to put others there, and and that's truly I think leaving that legacy. Um, so I'm with you in that boat too. And it was it's I'm glad that you said Bruce Springsteen too. I've always been a huge fan. Um, of Bruce and, and, but I've never heard anybody describe him that way. I haven't had the pleasure of seeing him in concert. And I, I was literally getting chills as you were describing it too, because I, I get fired up in my own twisted way of that kind of mindset where somebody is, is the, that ultimate relentless, there's going to be a hundred percent every single time. And like you said, they're going to, he's going to play for that one person who's never seen him in concert. And that's a, that itself is a mindset that people can take into every single day Yep. Um, that would make them wildly successful. I think that's what separates, you know, and a lot of times those people get labeled as the obsessed and all, but that's what separates Bruce Springsteen from other people. So it separates Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant from the other athletes. It's what's, you know, it's that mindset. Um, and I, that gets me fired up, man. Very cool. Yeah. Very, that makes me want to go listen to some, some Bruce, man. Yeah, we, can, we, can we get a little background soundtrack to the interview? Oh, I think we might have to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got a number. I mean, I will tell you, I've got a number of his songs downloaded on my phone. Um, yeah. that was an integral part of, of me growing up too. I know my dad was a big fan too. So very cool. I love that. Yeah. So, um, Talking about the second question is really talking about the development, the development of self-confidence uh, as an individual and, and um, your particular journey. Uh, do you, have you considered yourself a self-confident person? And is that something that, uh, you know, do you felt like I was always kind of a confident individual? It was something that um, developed over time. And if that developed, how, what does that journey look like to you? I mean, you've, you've accomplished some great things and you, like you said, you were the blank and scrabble. You took on all this responsibility without some level of confidence there to, to pull the trigger and go that ability to take that risk. You know, it's a tough deal. So what does that journey look like for you? Yeah, I, I think, first of all, you know, anyone who says they don't have the voice in the back of their mind that says, I'm not sure I can pull this off is yeah. not being completely 
completely honest. Yeah. Um, uh, but at the same time, yeah, I've always been confident in, in, you know, putting myself in a place where I'm going to succeed or fail based in part of, you know, my ability to do whatever the task is. And I think that's, I think that goes back to the mindset because I think that's two things. I think it's a, um, uh, it's a lack of fear of failure and it's a, it's a tolerance with risk. Yeah. Right. If you're comfortable with risk and you're comfortable with, even if I fail, it's going to be okay. That can give you the self-confidence to do, to do different things. And one of the things I do when I talk to kids and I, I you know, do a ton of school visits and I speak at libraries and, and those sorts of things um, is I say, I ask them if they've ever heard the expression, win some, lose some. Mm-hmm. And I say that entrepreneurs don't say win some, lose some. They say win some, learn some. Bingo. Because they know that even if they fail, they're yep. going to learn something that's going to help them succeed the next time. And I yep. love to talk to kids about famous people that have failed and experiences yep. of their failure. So they get an understanding that it's okay to fail. What's not okay is not taking that risk. And so right. I think that that provides some self-confidence. If you're willing to accept the worst case scenario, then you're willing to put yourself out there and, and try to get, make it the best case scenario. I love that. And I love the, the concept of developing that early on too, when the stakes are low, right? It fail now when you don't have a family to support fail now, yeah. when you don't have a mortgage to pay fail yep. now as a youngster, right? Learn to build that up. And then the beauty of it is too, you get those experiences so that you now, like you said, you learn. And then if you really did learn, you won't make those same kind of mistakes, you know, again. So I think that's a beautiful way to put it. Um, we had a gentleman come in, you know, we have entrepreneurs come in and talk to, um, our launch patterns, our high schoolers every single week. And, and, um, we had a gentleman come in last year and I remember one of the things he said was every time he messes up, he just looks at it and goes, okay, that's, I'm calling that tuition. And that's where he would talk. Up. So that was my tuition. <laughs> it's a great that word. Was my yeah. learning experience, right? Yeah. I, I wasted that. I essentially wasted that money but I'm not going to look at it as a waste. I'm going to go, okay, that was the tuition I paid to learn that lesson right there. Cool. If I look at it as tuition, I'm not going to stress out about it. I think it's a great way to look at it. Yeah. You know? I hadn't heard yeah. that before, but that's a, that's a good, yeah. good mindset. Yeah. Good analogy. So is there anything that you still do kind of get um, the nerves around any kind of, you know, anything that's like, oh, I still kind of get anxious around this. And if so, how do you combat that? Yeah, I, I think certainly, um, when I'm uh, over, you know, when there's an overwhelming amount of things to do, yeah. like when you're getting ready to launch a new book yeah. in the middle of a pandemic, yeah, right, it can create, it can create <laughs> yeah. some anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so for me, um, what I try to do is I go back to, you know, when I realize when I realize I'm getting overwhelmed, I try to go back to, okay, what has to happen now, yep. and what has to happen next week. And what are the things I need to focus on now? And a lot of times I'll just, you know, go for a walk around the block and clear my head or do something yeah. just to, to, just to clear it out. And then I'll yep. go back and I'm, I'm a big list maker and I'll say, okay, what are the things I need to do today? Yeah. Or what are the things I need to do? And then before, you know, lunch, what are the things I need to do before dinner? And if I can just focus on the specific things that need to get done and to prioritize that helps me deal with uh, the anxiety because then my anxiety is also one, it's lessened because I have a plan. Right. And two, because now that anxiety is focused on the task that needs to get, to get done. Yeah. I like that a lot. And I'm the same way as you, my, my daily schedule looks like, and it's, it's not orderly. I literally, they're boxed all over the place. Yeah. And I just, I think that's just kind of how my brain works, but they're all over the place and they're all in boxes. And, and the, the feeling is phenomenal to start, crossing some of those off. And if I can cross any of those off 
uh, at the very beginning of the day when I'm having my coffee early and nobody else is awake, nobody else is doing anything. And if I can get a couple of those things done and crossed off, I feel like I've got this jumpstart um, kind of deal. And it makes me just even more confident that I'm going to be crossing the rest of those off throughout the, yeah. throughout the day, you know? Right. So I'm very much like you. Yeah, I yeah. think that's great. And you mentioned kind of taking a walk around to, to, to clear your head. And, and that's kind of the mind body connection that we've talked a lot about on this program too, um, is, is kind of the physical helping the mental um, what is your, what is kind of your take on that in general, the physical helping the mental and staying healthy? And, um, you know, is there anything in particular you guys do in the family or it's like, look, this is what we try to do to kind of be health conscious. What does that look like for you guys? Well, first of all, I, I think I've always, uh, appreciated, you know, when, when you're in good health, even just yeah. like, you know, the common cold can knock you out and right. make you realize how happy you are to, you know, each day that you are feeling good. And yeah. you know, obviously, you know, what's going on in the world, you know, as we speak right now is, uh, is an entirely different degree of, sure. of being, being, uh, you know, thankful for, uh, for good health. Um, but also for me, it's just being active. I mean, yeah. I, I need to keep my brain, my, my, my brain going. And that a lot of that is driven upon physical activity. And I, yep. it's been interesting because, um, my, um, I've, I've had to limit my physical activity over the years. I had, when I was probably about 30 or so, um, I had a back, I had back surgery. Oh, and so, um, it slowed me down a little bit, but not much. And I went yeah. back and I was like, you know, running 5k races and doing the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and then I had to have a second back surgery. Whoa. And so at that point, then I was like, okay, well, I'm running, I can't, I can't really run even to yeah. this day just because I, you know, I don't have it every time I, you know, I have the cushion in my spine right, to, deal right, with, right. We'll, to deal with the pounding. And so, um, but I was still playing golf and, you know, and doing things and, and being out and riding a bike and being active. Um, and then I had the third back surgery Holy cow. Um, a, a few years ago. And so um, that was the end of my golf career. Um, but also what I've started doing is, um, and this is, you know, probably five years ago now, um, I still, um, three days a week, I don't have a bike because just if you think of the position that you're sitting on in a bike or you're hunched over, right. it's not the best thing for your back. So, uh, three or four days a week, I ride something that's called an elliptigo and an elliptigo is a stand up oh. elliptical powered bicycle. I've seen that. So I, I had it once. How cool. So you're, you know, I'm, you're basically, you're standing up, but yeah. it's a bicycle and yeah. it's got eight gears and handbrakes and I can go up and down hills and I go for bike rides with my kids and I, and I do the whole thing, but you know, it, it has, it's a zero impact because yeah. you're on, you know, on yep. an elliptical machine. And also at the same time, you're sort of building your core because you're trying to not to fall over and kill yourself on the thing. That's right. Um, so that's, that's what I do. And I, you know, I that's try to awesome. do that at least, you know, three times a week. How cool is that? Yeah. I think, I believe I've seen one, I mean, one time, but big shout out to Elliptigo, man. That's, that's cool. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Uh, if you've seen one, you'll, you'll remember them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've only, it's interesting, yeah. you know, I've been riding it for five years. I've only seen, you know, three or four others and, um, uh, other people riding them as well. Yeah. So they're not a lot out there, but when you see one, you, and as I said, anyone who's got knee issues or back issues, yeah. um, uh, it's, uh, yeah, highly recommended. It's great. Game yeah. changer. Yeah. I working with a, uh, with a doctor when I was working at Stanford that, um, he had a very similar story of injuring himself early on. I believe he was, a um, I believe it was during, it was playing rugby. I believe he got messed up and it was right about the age of 30. He ended up having a back surgery. Um, and he said at that point, he kept trying to be active. He obviously stopped playing 
actually after the first one, I don't think he did stop playing rugby, which I'm sure was a smart move. Um, But uh, the last time I spoke to him four or five years ago, he was just coming off either his fourth or fifth uh, back surgery as well. And kind of this cascading event and was looking for alternatives. So I'm going to have to let him know about the, uh, about the elliptigo. Yeah, no, definitely. And hopefully those, the days that I'm not riding, I'm doing stuff for my core. And so hopefully this will be I'll be, I'll be done at three surgeries. There you go. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. So this next one's interesting. You know, we have people from all different, uh, all different industries, all different levels of their career and, and, um, everybody's making an impact in a, in a, in a different way. So this one is always relatively open-ended and we get a bunch of different advice. Anyways, it's very interesting coming from somebody who um, has the experience you have. And then obviously having a book series, um, to, you know, towards all kind of this entrepreneurial mindset that we've been talking about. So, you know, one of our focuses, obviously talking about the children's business fair, we want our youth to have an understanding of finance. We want them to have an understanding, um, of the math that we feel like actually matters, uh, moving forward. Right. So looking at real world financial advice that we think that a lot of times they actually never get in a traditional school setting, you know, you've got your daughters, those at that age, what is maybe a piece of financial advice that you are giving, uh, to them? you know, that that you could share with everybody? I think the simplest one is just don't, don't spend what you don't have. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, there's clear, clear, a lot of people going to debt, uh, you know, credit card debt is, you know, obviously a a big issue for so many families Mm and, you know, clearly, uh, it doesn't apply to, you know, tuition and, and those sorts of things where you're, you're making an investment, but you just don't spend, don't spend beyond your means. And, um, you know, it, it's just so important to just not take, not get into debt. Yep. And it's interesting because we're also seeing now um, so many companies are struggling because they thought the good days are, there's only good days. And mm-hmm. so they were borrowing against their their futures. And now all of a sudden, right. there's not so many good days and, and we're in trouble. And it's interesting, right. I, you know, to go back to the, uh, the guys at IMAX, um, I saw an interview, you know, obviously all the the movie theaters right now, as you and I are speaking, are closed across the United yeah. States and I think across the world as well. And um, I saw an interview with um, the CEO of IMAX and um, they said, you know, well, how are you doing? He said, if we don't sell another movie ticket until 2022, we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just said, I've, you know, I've lived through the ups and downs before and I wasn't going to put yep. the company in a position where we're going to yeah, have yes. that. Uh, the risk of anything happening. And clearly yeah. he didn't know that it was going to be, a, you know, that this sure. was going to happen, but it's something he you know thought about of this is, you know, I want to manage the company um, conservatively. And so super smart, super smart. It and sounds and like think, a simple thing, but just don't spend more than you have. But you know what? There's there. Sometimes I, I think what needs to be said are those simple things that because they were the simple things, we either just kind of let it flow over our head when somebody says it, or we have stopped listening to it altogether. You know, I think simplicity is, is a uh, really usually the way to go in almost any endeavor. I mean, I think there's a lot of um, truth in the, in those simple truths. And that is one, not spending beyond your means and, and not spending the money until you have it. Actually, when I was, I was listening to another podcast on my way here, um, for us to record this podcast too. And it was, uh, they had Grant Cardone on as their guest. And, um, I've heard some, some things I haven't, I haven't heard a ton of his material. Um, but I know he's been pretty popular, you know, over the course of these last few years. And that was exactly what he's saying. He said, look, from a, from our organization's standpoint, we do not spend the money before it is there. 
We do not go, okay, well, this deal is about to close. So let's yeah. spend the money on what he says. Nope. I want to see the money in the bank before we will even consider spending it. And at that point, when we get the money in the bank, I know, you know, X percent of it's going to go to the IRS. Well, cool. Then X percent of that that's going to the IRS, we're going to go ahead and pay ourselves too. And then that part that you have left, that's the money you actually are going to spend, you know? Yeah. And, and so, um, I think it's great advice, man. Yeah, so, so two things on that. One is, um, uh, get, going back to the IMAX guys again, and you can see yeah. how much they influence they have on my life even still today. Um, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the expressions that the CEO used to say is, when you have the money, you have the money. When you don't, you don't. Yep. And, you know, certainly as you get older and people are working for public companies and they've got, you know, money and the, they've got, you know, their stock options are worth something and there's money in the market and they start spending that and right. thinking, oh, I've got all this money that it's a, you know, we're seeing that right now. It's a, just a recipe for disaster when you, Absolutely. it's not, you don't have it until you have it. Absolutely. Um, and then the other, and the other thing going back is it's funny. So growing up, um, my mother was um, extremely conscious of not ever wanting to go into debt. Yeah. Um, and so I used to make fun of her, but what she used to do is every time she bought something on the credit card, she would come home and she would write a check to the credit card company. Yep. Pay and off. Then at the end of the month, when she got the bill, she would just stick all those checks in and, and mail them off. And I'm sure the credit card company hated it, I'm sure but that did. was her way of making yeah. sure that even though I'm using a credit card, yeah. I'm, I'm not spending money I don't have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's one lesson that I've taken that, that, uh, you know, I'll use a credit card for, especially for the amount of travel and the miles and all that kind of stuff that, you know, has been a big part of my life for, for quite a while now, but, um, it's the exact same thing. Now I think we're, you know, so convenient because everything's on the phone. Right. So, but I'll, I'll use the credit card. And then as soon as I use the card, I will literally go into the app and pay it, you know, and it's the same thing. Right. Take that yeah. quick. That way it's never actually, never actually, uh, sitting there for a while. I love that. So, the next question is around hard work. And I think hard work is different definitions and it's kind of a hard thing to define in general. And I think a lot of times if you have the time to really uh, try to define it, chances are you aren't necessarily doing it. But um, it is something that, that I've heard working with a lot of organizations around the world. They're going, man, we want to see work ethic. And I think part of that's a generational thing. Part of that is something that I think older people have always said um, about younger people. But if you have got somebody coming to work for you. And we're going to mm -hmm. keep it focused on kind of a young person, maybe they're right out of high school, maybe they're right out of college. Yep. Um, what do you want to see from that person that that's going to make you want to take the chance on them and say, yeah, I'm going to hire this person. What is it that you want to see? Yeah, I think to me, it's, um, it's an insatiable desire to learn and to want to learn and grow and be adaptable. Yeah. Um, hard work isn't the amount of hours you put in. I mean, you can yep. spend a lot of hours and be incredibly inefficient. Right. But if you can show that you're always looking to learn and always looking to better yourself and just continue, you know, tomorrow you're going to do a better job than you're going to do today. Yep. That's, you know, that's an incredible that's characteristic. That insatiable curiosity. Say, yeah. And one of the things that I used to say um, to the guy, you know, when I, early in my career to people I was working for is, Hey, if you tell me to run through the wall, I'll run through the wall. But first I'm going to ask you, but why aren't we going over the wall? Why aren't we going around the wall? Yep. And I want to understand that. I want to yep. know why we're going through it. And at the end of the day, I'll go through it, but I got to understand what you're doing, you know, why. And that yeah. was, that was a, uh, that, that's always been big for me. And I think that's, you know, that, that's hard work. 
I love that. I love that. And I love the the thought again, you're looking to provide value. You're going, Hey, look, this is just maybe another way. And then maybe my naivete and not knowing the industry yet. And then, so that's great. If you're saying go through the wall, let's go through it, but I want to understand it. And I'm thinking maybe there could be another option. And have you guys thought about this option? And, and that's, you know, that's it. And then use that, that a word too, that I think is really important. You're talking about the ability to adapt. Um, that is, you know, that's the downfall of so many individuals. So many businesses is that whole phrase. Well, this is the way I've always done things, or this is the way we've always done things. That oh, is the worst. That is the worst. And it is a killer. <laughs> it is a killer to human beings. It is a killer to organizations. It has yeah. never been, or possibly, you know, maybe never, or at least in recent memory, been more uh, apparent than it is right now as people are having to adapt on a dime and aren't, you know, you see who's doing it well, who's not. Um, that ability to adapt is a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. We talk about the fact that with the way things are rapidly changing now, obviously when I say we, I'm talking about us as in the Acton network um, and outside of understanding there was going to be a pandemic that was taking, you know, taking place. The ability to unlearn at this point is just as valuable as the ability to learn because things change so rapidly. You have got to now go, okay, wait a second using this old method of whatever is no longer efficient. I need to unlearn that altogether and start wrapping my head around this new way to do things because it's going to be wildly more efficient for us. And if I don't get on, you know, get there, we're going to, we're, we're not going to adapt. Or we're going to die. Yeah. You know, no, totally agree. Yep. Totally agree. That's great. Um, question number seven. So the, the phrase discipline equals freedom, uh, has taken hold has definitely taken hold in, in my house. It's something we talk about at Acton Plaster quite a bit. So what is something that you either had to in the past develop discipline around that you're like, okay, I really don't want to do this, but I know I kind of need to have the discipline to push through this part, even though I don't want to, or maybe that you right now are going, look, I've got to take the discipline approach in taking this on so that I can get to where it is that I want to go. Yeah, I guess to me, the hardest times for me is when I'm not busy. Yeah. Um, luckily, those are few and far between. Yeah. But um, yeah. when I'm not busy, that's when I struggle. Yep. And um, just in terms of, you know, focus and motivation and those sorts of things. And yep. so to me, the discipline of sensing that I've got a, you know, a quieter time coming. Mm -hmm. And again, going back to my list saying, all right, here's a list of things that I'm going to do. And some may not be necessarily work related, but it's yep. just, hey, you know, if I've got time, I'm going to do this. And just sometimes just the act of having other things to do will get me back into that, that rhythm. But, um, you know, when I'm not busy, I'm grumpy, I'm no fun. And I, I just, uh, it's, it's not good for anyone. Yeah. You and me both. And I feel, I feel that on a very visceral level as you were describing that. Um, and I think that's super smart having the discipline to pay attention ahead of time too, and saying, look, there's a, a stretch where I'm coming up or I might not have as much to do. And I, I'm the very much the same way. I take a look and go, that could be a dangerous thing. I just won't be at my best um, self. And a lot of times the non, and I imagine it's the same way for you, the, the not very busy coming up is, is maybe the average person's busy, but um, still I need, I need more on the plate kind of thing and being aware of that. I think that's, I think that's super smart. I like that. Yeah. And I don't know if you found the same thing, but I've always found like if I, if you spend months working on a big project yeah, and then you deliver the project, those next couple of days, that those yes. are like the red light flashing. That's danger because like to now get ready for the next thing is yes. oh is so hard totally. to do. Just the letdown of having that past you. 
That's exactly it. We, that's exactly it. So when we have like, when we have the children's business fair, we always, we ramp up so much and there's so much yeah. to do around that. And then the day afterwards, I've just got to be careful because I want to be able to recoup and regather. But I also know that if I just go and I can get myself into a weird spot after talk, I mean, doing, um, you know, the, the, the busiest year that I had, I did 64 keynotes in one year. And, and, but after every single one of those too, because there's a ramp up there and you come off and it's just like this, this weird emotional, just kind of whoosh, you know, and yeah. it's, like, it's a dangerous spot to stay in for too long. And so we got to give yourself something to pull back out. Yeah, definitely notice that. Um, question number eight, my favorite question of the entire list. What is something <laughs> that is common knowledge? Everybody knows this uh, to be true, but Brian Weisfeld says, yeah, I disagree. You're kind of counterculture uh, in, in your thoughts on, on this, what would that be for you? Well, I I'd say let's, let's go for an expression okay. as opposed to a fact, which okay. is, I'd say, um, uh, the expression of, uh, nice guys finish last. Ooh, I like that. Is I just, I'm a big believer that it's a long life and a small world yeah. and, um, you know, how you deal with people is the, is the, the biggest thing and, and the greatest asset any person has is their reputation. Yep. That's going to follow you wherever you want. And yep. so, um, you and know, the is, idea of just, yeah, that's all, definitely a long tail game. Absolutely. Yeah. We're all just trying to, you know, do the best for ourselves and our family and what our, our missions are. And, um, you know, I've, I've been in some meetings with some just awful people. Sure. And you just say, I don't why would I want to do this with you? Why would I spend any more time with you? Why would I want to, yep. um, you know, even if I do have to do this one thing, why would I ever want to do this again? Yeah. And um, so that's the, I think that one is I think uh, a really good. One. I, yeah. I don't agree with that expression. Yeah. I think that's a really good one. Yeah. Never, we have not, uh, we have not had that on here before. And I, uh, I would fully agree. It's a, it's a long tail game. The reputation is a long tail game. So that old adage. And I think that, you know, I think that was coined around uh, a younger individual who was having a hard time with girls and feeling like all the guys that didn't treat them well were the guys that were winning and on top. But, you know, again, that's a long tail game and, and good people win in those kind of scenarios too. Relationships are the ROI of life and, and the the nice guys tend to have the better relationships um, and, and that greater ROI. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and I don't want to not to go out of order here on your on on your yeah, list, yeah. but yeah. you know the question that you know about about advice. Yeah. Um, the thing that first came to my mind is that life is a marathon, not a sprint. Yes. Yeah. And so along, it's just the same, you know, this yeah. same thing of just you know treating treating people well, and also just focusing on learning. What yeah. am I learning today that's going to help me tomorrow? And that when I the, the I've left. All the jobs that I've left in my life have been mm -hmm. around the time where my my learning curve has plateaued. Yeah, and so just having that focus of it's a marathon, not a sprint. There's always going to be someone you know or someone out there that's, you know, yes. seems to be quote unquote more successful or is doing better at this or doing better at that. And you can't control what other people are doing. That's right. What you can control though is your education and your mindset and just having a long term view on, on where you're going. And that so is, that's the, the, you know, sort of falls into the very related. That's last 
question. Very much. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I think you're absolutely right. And I remember saying this was a couple of years ago. I remember talking to a friend of mine who's a professional athlete. And he says, yeah, but I, I hate I hate running marathons. So I'm just I'm not a long distance guy. I'm a sprinter. I'm like, cool. Then then sprint and then take your break as you're kind of moving forward and then sprint again. And uh -huh. the reality is you still have to get around that same track. And that track is yeah. really, really long. So right. get around it however you want. If you want right. to move really fast and then take a little bit of time off and move really fast, that's great. That's kind of how we've set up um, you know, our years here for acting. So we go in these five or six week sprints. I mean, that's essentially what we're doing. And we mm -hmm. work really hard five or six weeks. We have the, you know, the finale of whatever that looks like. And then we take a week or two and and just kind of I'm not saying people can't move forward during those weeks or two, but you can regather. It's kind of like that coming down from the big event right and you kind of give yourself a little bit of time to recoup and then we come back and we sprint again knowing that the reality is this is a long tail game of building a human being right yeah. and, and that's exactly it and i, I think yep. that's i think that's awesome so that i mean that essentially is kind of that piece of wisdom that that tenth question um the the ninth one is kind of just sort of fun um something that you are just really not good at and i'll tell you the <laughs> reason that it, it's even in there i think is because of the context of of the belief. And I know I was the same way as a youth going, Oh my gosh, I can see that guy right there. Who's so old. Cause he's 30, right. Or he's so old. He's so old. Cause he's, he's 40. Oh my gosh. I'll probably never even be that old, but you see that. But the cool thing about that person is, well, they've got it all figured out. Um, you know, <laughs> we're quick to say that dear God, that is so far from, from the truth. And so what is something that's just a struggle for you? You're like, man, I am just not good at this. Yeah. So two things. One is, you know, we talked about a little bit about this earlier, which is anyone who says they've got it all figured out is just not Full telling the truth. Absolutely. Um, uh, and I think this will be helpful. Um, it's going to be an odd thing for me to say as um, now the, the co-author of two books. Yeah. Um, I'm not a good writer. I'm awful at writing. Yeah. I'm just yeah. awful. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, I creating the original manuscript, yeah. as I said, was the hardest thing I've ever had yeah. to do. And luckily my wife is an excellent writer. And so there was not a word that left my, I didn't press send on anything until she had gone through it. Yeah. And now luckily, you know, I'm working with a, uh, my co-author, Nicole C. Carr, who um, <laughs> is uh, an unbelievably talented writer. And so, you know, while I'm focused on the structure and the outline and what are the business lessons we want to do? Um, she's putting, you know, 90% of the words to the page. That's and great. so it's interesting good, you know, good for an author to say they're not very good at writing, but yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's something I'm not good at, but goes to show yeah. you that it doesn't, it doesn't always have to stop you. That's a great, I mean, it's great to reiterate that kind of lesson too. So we had on um, John Stossel, right? So the man mm -hmm. has won 19 Emmys for uh -huh. communicating, uh -huh. right? He says, I am a horrible communicator. <laughs> In what way? That is the thing I suck. He said, I don't speak well. He said, it's tough for me. He says, I, I'm very shy. I'm not very self-confident. Uh, you know, and, and he just, he referred to himself as something who's just communication is the thing he struggles with the most. Um, which is just a very, you know, I mean, it's just an interesting concept, just like, I mean, the, huh. the book is the books phenomenal. I wouldn't look at this and go, okay, books, really cool. Great lessons. But I can tell right now when I talk to Brian, this guy is just not a good writer. You know I mean? That's just, it doesn't, it doesn't fit, but you, when you explained it, he explained kind of his scenario. And so, yeah, I mean, even with that, but you, it goes back to those lessons of, of, um, understanding what you're doing, building a team, you know, around you and, and, um, 
ultimately you had a, a goal, a mission to serve a greater good and, and figured out a way to do it. Even if it was something that wasn't your natural strength, you know, I mean, that's, that's it. That's the, yeah. that's the hero's journey right there. I mean, it really is. So anybody else that you feel like, um, young people should be following and taking a look at. And one of the easiest ways to, to really kind of express it is if, if I said, okay, well, who else should I get on this podcast that you think would, would provide um, some great value to some of the young people that are listening? Uh, who comes to mind for that? So uh, I guess a couple of different things. One is, first of all, and I can't think of an example, but um, someone who has overcome difficult circumstances. Yeah. Um, there, you know, this is a... Every, you know, lots of kids go through tough times. Yep. Obviously, right now it's a tough time for a lot of families. Yep. Um, and so, to give kids the ability to see past that, to see that this doesn't have to define them, and they can get through that. I can't think of examples right now, but I could think of nothing more powerful for a, a kid going through a tough time to hear the story of someone else who went through a tough time and, and came out on the other end. Absolutely. And so that's the. Yeah. yeah, that is the hero's journey, right? That's it. And we love it. And that's why we relate to that so much. We love that. We love to see the hero over it because the story that doesn't have somebody overcoming something usually sucks as a story. I mean, they've got to figure something out and they've got to overcome something. And that's what we, that's the emotional side we tap into. And we love that. Um, it's much harder to love that story when it's your story and you're in the midst of the trial. Right. You know? And right. so, and so again, that's, um, you know, I fully agree, but those are the times that when you do come out that other side, once you have come out from whatever that is, your life is different. Your outlook is different. Yep. Your understanding of who you are is different. You yep. know, and, and one of my favorite books of all time, Fight Club, you know, there's a quote in there that says, how much can you know about yourself if you've never been punched in the face? Uh -huh. you know, if you've never been in the fight, what do you, you never been in a fight? What do you know about yourself? And it's like, you yeah. know, that, and that fight doesn't have to be a physical confrontation. It's a battle of whatever that looks like coming out on the other side, you get to see what you're made of and you're usually made of something a lot stronger than you think you are. So, yeah. yeah. And then, so one last, uh, one last quote from my, uh, my IMAX mentor is, is, uh, it's never as things are never as good as they look or as bad as they seem. Yeah. I like that. And so that's the same thing. You know, it may seem like, you know, things are pretty tough right now, yep. but, um, you know, you're going to, you're, you're in the trough and you're yep. going to be hitting that peak at some point and, you know, just, just keep, keep going through it and, and get through the, the tough time and, yep. and enjoy when you get to the other side yeah. and make sure to look back and help the people that are in that trough for sure uh, after you. For sure. Wise words, my friend. I love it. So, where can people go to find out more about you, what you're doing? More importantly, where can we go to get the startup squad? Uh, leave us with some of that good stuff. Yeah, sure. So the startup squad, um, online, the startup squad.com. We have a lot of resources for parents. We mm -hmm. have, um, uh, we have a gallery of 70 girls between the ages of seven and 14 who've started their own businesses. A number of them have come from active children's business affairs or active academies. Um, we've got a lot of blog posts. We're doing a lot of information now about ways to start your, um, start your own businesses. Um, both virtual businesses that you can start now as well as other businesses you can do. So there's a ton of resources on the startupsquad.com. Um, on all social media, we're at the startup squad, the startup squad books you can buy truly wherever books are sold. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I speak, uh, to the country, uh, uh all around the country on a co-ed basis. Um, well, you know, we like to say we're girl targeted, but right. boy inclusive. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, when I speak at schools, I speak about the importance of the entrepreneurial mindset for all kids. Love and it. so um, hopefully I'll, I'll be coming to a town near you. 
I love it. Hopefully, Not anytime hopefully, soon. Yeah, true but story. But at some you know point, what? hopefully, as soon I will. as that as soon as that can happen, you I want you to come to this town and this campus in particular. So, yeah, absolutely, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today, Brian. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, and um, I look forward to listening to more podcasts. Awesome, thank you. So there's Mr. Brian Weisfeld. So jump on the Startup Squad. See what they've got going on over there. Of course, you can follow him as well. Go down his website, brianweisfeld.com. He's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Um, but I know he would love for you to check out the Startup Squad. Definitely highly recommended uh, for any parents, for any schools, um, for any young people listening. I think those are great purchases. So go to Startup Squad and see what he's got going on. So until next time, thank you guys for listening. Again, please share. Let people know what we've got going on. Thank you all. Bye.